The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. God, we thank you. We thank you for the victory that we celebrate today. We thank you, God, for the secured victory in which we stand, in which we sing, in which we live. And God, we know that you love when we celebrate you. And God, I just pray that on this day, even though we are scattered, that still you're, uh, you will be celebrated. The victory of Easter, the victory of the resurrection will, uh, will lift us, will unite us. And Lord, just that you will be glorified even as we kind of gather together in separate places, Lord, may this message of Easter just be proclaimed so clearly throughout this country, throughout this land. Lord, empower uh, this message as those in this church and other churches seek to proclaim it this day. Uh, Lord, would you bring it home to people's hearts, I pray in your name. Amen. Happy Easter. I hope that you are as excited as I am. I kind of had to get excited this week. Uh, last week on the way home, I was uh, on the way home from church. I was having a little conversation with my wife. And uh, I just said, you know, I said, I feel like maybe this sitting down while I'm preaching and not having anybody in the, in the church has, has kind of got to me. I really felt like I lacked energy today. I felt like it just wasn't that great of a sermon. And uh, trying to make me feel better, she said, well, uh, you know, you can't hit a home run every day. And uh, she said, you know, maybe today you hit a double. I thought she was being rather generous. I kind of thought it was more like a pop-up to the catcher. But uh, I'll take a double in, in, in that whole thing. But uh, she, then she went on to say, but, you know, next week, next week is Easter. So, in other words, buddy, you better hit the batting cages this week. You better bring your A game. If you can't preach what well, she didn't say all these words, but if you can't preach well on Easter, if you can't proclaim the message of the resurrected king with a little excitement, then you need a new line of work. That's definitely the message I would give myself. But still, need a little help today, so we changed up a couple of things. I get to stand up today. Okay, I'm pretty excited about that. I've been on the stool so that we can keep the camera on me. I've got a little box I have to stay in, and if I roam too far, you might see them come up and sit me back on the stool. But uh, I get to move around. I'm excited about that. But then I also, I needed to see a congregation a little bit. So I have some mental pictures just that I, I'm going to see you today because, I, you know, I just can't look at the empty chairs. So I'm going to see you. I mean, here's a family. You know, there you are in your matching pajamas. You look so cute. You're ready for church. I'm ready for that. Or look at this group. They are intent on listening. They're clinging to every word. They can't wait to hear the message. Actually, you probably look a little bit more like this or uh, maybe even like this girl right here. You just got out of bed. There you are. Uh, or maybe you look like this guy right here. That actually might be Ken Billington. He hasn't gotten out of bed yet. I'm, I'm not sure, but at least he's listening, and that's good. But uh, we are ready to go with the Easter message today. We are going to look at uh, the book of Acts chapter 8, and a good place to start with the uh, book of Acts chapter 8 would be in Acts chapter 8, verse number 1, which says this, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Now, to give us an understanding of Acts chapter 8, verse number 1, it is best that we go back and we also take a look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Seven weeks ago, when we started our, ser our series entitled, Be the Church, and we started looking at the book of Acts, we said that Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 serves as an outline for the whole book. 
It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And remember, we saw in there that we have a power in God's Holy Spirit. We have a purpose in that He has made us His witnesses. And we have a plan that, first of all, in Jerusalem, and then throughout all the area of Judea, and then throughout Samaria and the other parts of the earth, we are to share the gospel. Well, look back again at chapter 8 and verse number 1, you'll notice that what, what had happened is this. The church had stagnated a little bit. The gospel was proclaimed in Jerusalem, but God's plan was for it to go on outside of Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the rest of the world. So God sent in some persecution. God used persecution to accomplish His purpose. And I can say, not as preachers speak, I've got to say something positive during our quarantine time and everything like that, but I can say with the utmost confidence and knowing that this is true, that God is using what is going on right now to accomplish His purpose. God is using it in the church as a whole. God is using it in this church, and God is using it in our lives. I don't completely understand exactly what He's doing. In fact, I don't sometimes partially understand, but I know God. I know who He is, and I know that He is fulfilling His purpose in what is going on right now. I have confidence in that. Now, that's not even the message today. That was pretty good, wasn't it? I mean, that was at least a long foul ball. I just missed the foul pole. But when we get to the message of Easter, folks, it is time to hit a home run. So let's get moving here a little bit. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse number 26. And now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Philip probably the, uh, regarded as the first missionary in Scripture, but the angel says, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And this is a desert place. And he arose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, he was a eunuch, in the court of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. If I could stop for just a second there. Uh, Candace was not her name, that was more of her title. The queen of Ethiopia would do most of the ruling because the kings decided that they were on the level of God and doing the actual ruling was beneath them. Uh, so this guy is serving the queen of Ethiopia. And it says uh, he was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. I need to explain something just there for a second, too, that we'll refer back to later. Um, his trip to Jerusalem, obviously he was not a Jew, so he was a converted Jew. He was a proselyte. And... Um, it is believed, well, actually, this part is known, because he was a eunuch, he would not have been allowed into the temple to worship. It is believed that his trip to Jerusalem uh, to worship was somewhat unfulfilling, or it had left him empty. It hadn't lived up to his expectations. And so while he was returning, the Scripture says, seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit of the Lord... Uh, said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading. I can connect with this guy. He likes to read out loud. That's the only way I can pay good attention. There he is, reading out loud, irritating everybody around him. But he's reading Isaiah, and the prophet asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. And this is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. He's reading verses 7 and 8. This chapter is regarded as the most messianic uh, passage of the Old Testament or the most prophetic about the coming Savior. But he's reading these words, Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before the shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. 
And in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask, does this prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and he began with Scripture and he told him the good news about Jesus. A few weeks ago as I was reading through the book of Acts and I read those words, the good news about Jesus, I said, hello, Easter message. So this week, as, I, as I, I looked at that phrase, I turned to my old uh, Bible Hub uh, website, and I thought, I'm going to read that in some different translations to see what it says. In some places, it does say the good news about Jesus. Some places, it just says the good news. Some places, it just says he taught him about Jesus. Some places, it says he shared with him the gospel. But then I found a translation, it's called the interlinear translation, where they put the, uh, the Greek words, and then they show you the English meaning right below for each Greek word. And I found a word there that got me kind of excited. The word is euangelion, okay? Now, I had a couple years of Greek, which means, like those of you that uh, ordered, I'm sorry, that uh, had a couple years of Spanish, you are now able to order a Taco Bell. Well, that's about how much Greek I know. I'm just a little bit dangerous. But I read this word, and, and, I, and I found out that this word, this euangelion, or a form of it, euangelizo, uh, it was used back when the Great Commission was given. Go into all the world and take the gospel. Euangelion, take the good news. It was used way back when Jesus was born in Jerusalem, and the angel came to the shepherds in the field, and, he, and they said, don't worry, fear not. I bring you glad tidings. Euangelion, I've got some good news. It was used in the book of Luke chapter 8 and verse number 1 when it talked about the fact that Jesus went about teaching everyone the good news about Jesus Christ, about, about himself. I'm sorry, the good news, what he taught was about the kingdom of God. Do you need a little good news? I, I don't know if you've gotten to enjoy this at all, uh, but in uh, recent uh, weeks, uh, an actor by the name of John Krasinski has been putting up here, he just calls it some good news. Hopefully you've seen that. The sign behind him was made by his daughters, SGN, just some good news. If you haven't, I encourage you to watch it. He has a couple of 15-minute uh, little things. That it, that's all it is. It's just uplifting. It's good. I kind of think this guy, I, I don't know him, obviously, but I think he, he must be a great guy. I mean, he's married to Mary Poppins. He has to be a good guy. So I hate to outdo him on this, but i got to tell you, I've got something to share today that is a whole lot better than just some good news. What we talk about when we talk about the message of Easter is the very best news ever. So let's explore that. Let's dig into that a little bit. I looked up this word, euangelion, and here's what it says. It says that it is the complete message. The good news is the complete message of the coming of the kingdom of God and of salvation obtained through life. The complete message. So let's look at, today actually we're going to look at four aspects, four reasons why this is incredibly good news. First of all, it is good news because it tells us of a kingdom of ultimate authority. Now I mentioned that uh, one of the places that, that use that word euangelion is from the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse number 1. But throughout many chapters there in the middle of Luke, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom. And in one of the stories, uh, we hear it, it, the, the true story of a centurion. He is a Roman officer whose daughter is sick. 
And he wants Jesus to come and heal his daughter. But in the course of the conversation, he says to Jesus, hey, I don't need you to come, Jesus. You see, I am a Roman soldier, and I understand what it means to have authority. I understand what it means to say, come, and somebody moves. Okay, he's got the old Jack Nicholson thing down. You know, my men obey orders or people die. He says, I, I get it, Jesus, and I understand this. You have authority, so Jesus, would you just say the word? Just say the word, Jesus. I know that you're in charge. I get it. Now, why is this such good news? If I could illustrate for a second, for probably six years around here now, we have tried, I think five of the last six years, we've tried to have a breakfast on Easter morning. An hour before the service, we meet, we have a good time, I put some flowers on the table, put some uplifting music going, and people are just enjoying breakfast before they come in here and worship. Well, when this first started, uh, we asked a lady in our church, Mindy Avon, we asked her, hey, Mindy, would you be in charge of that breakfast? Now, if I could explain this for a second, if you don't know Pastor James and I, we can be a little hard to work with sometimes. Uh, we could be maybe a little picky, a little persnickety, a little over-prepared on some things. Now, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I just want to say, I think he's worse than I am. Now, the good news about that is he just does an incredible job. I mean, Upward runs incredibly well. He does a great job with it. But, but if, you know, every week, I've got to be here at 8 o'clock in the morning. I don't know why, but I have to be here at 8 o'clock in the morning because the doors have to be open at least two hours and 45 minutes before anybody's going to get here for church. I mean, I, I've got to get it ready, but I'm kind of like that. If I'm in charge of something, I've got to get in early. So Easter morning came. We're going to have dinner, you know, or breakfast, I mean, about 9.45. So I come in here, and uh, 7.30, you know, Mindy's not here yet. She's supposed to be in charge of this thing. Well, I can live with that, but by 8 o'clock, she still wasn't here. By 8.30, I'm starting to panic a little bit. Oh, no, Easter's going to be ruined. Uh, it's going to kill the lilies. Everything's going to go wrong. She's not here. By uh, getting close to 9 o'clock, I called her. I said, hey, uh, are we still on for today? And she was as calm as could be. She said, oh, yep, I'm on my way. Sure enough, she got here. Everything went great. Now, the next year, I asked her again, a little bit more relaxed. I didn't start to panic till closer to 8.30 the next, the next year. The next year, I didn't start to panic till closer to 9. Finally, I figured out that if Mindy said she's got it taken care of, she's got it taken care of. I cannot worry about it. I could just say, okay, she said she'll handle it, she'll handle it. Folks, that's the exact message that is part of our good news today. Our God is a God of ultimate authority. And if he says, I've got this, he's got this. So I am not a prisoner. I am not a slave to my circumstances. What I am is a child of the one true king, the ultimate king of the universe. And if he says he's got it, he's got it. Now, another story that comes up in this section where Jesus is teaching about the kingdom is the story of a lady who is anointing Jesus' feet. She's anointing his feet, and she's washing his feet with her, her tears, and she's wiping his feet with her hair. But the religious crowd is gathered around, and they said, this lady is sinful. The Bible describes her as, as a sinner. And if this guy was really a prophet, he would get a hold of the, he would know that, and he, would, he wouldn't have anything to do with her. But he actually is welcoming this lady here who is a sinner. And a second thing that I want to call your attention to and I want you to see is the fact that not only is this a kingdom of ultimate authority, but it is a kingdom of forgiveness. It is not a kingdom that offers an empty religious experience. Now, I mentioned this eunuch who traveled to Jerusalem to worship and he came back with uh, you know, still an emptiness in his life. You know, 
the, one of the sad things about this day about Easter Day is that many people will go to church. Maybe they'll make their yearly appearance there or you know, semi-yearly appearance or whatever there, and they show up, but they leave the service with nothing other than an empty religion. They don't know the forgiveness that Jesus offers even to the least of these. And they, they do not experience this. They're, they're too concerned with impressing people with their own righteousness to learn to trust and lean into the righteousness of Christ and realize their need. So good news, the good news of the kingdom. This is a kingdom of ultimate authority. This is a kingdom of forgiveness. But let's go on and look at a couple of other aspects of the good news here. Remember the eunuch is sitting there reading from the book of Isaiah. And I wanted to take a minute and look at the Verses prior to the ones that, were, that Philip heard him reading out, out loud. Because we can assume that he was reading through the entire chapter. And let's read something else that he was uh, finding there. In chapter 53, verses 5 and 6, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep had gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Good news is that this is for us personally. The good news is that this is a personal message. If I communicate to you this day that Jesus died for the sins of the world, and that's all I communicate, I have failed. What needs to be communicated is Jesus died for my sin. Jesus died for your sin. If I could illustrate for a second, about a couple years ago, uh, actually about a year and a half ago, it was a November day, the first snowstorm of the year, uh, which meant it was a sloppy, wet mess. We got about five, six inches of snow, but it was that heavy, slushy snow. I was buzzing along one of these country roads over here in Cass County, and uh, as I'm going down the road, my new uh, all-wheel drive car, I was feeling invincible as I drove along, and suddenly I realized that I was any, in anything but control. Uh, the back of the car started passing up the front of the car. I was, I was doing, uh, spinning around the road. The road didn't have much on the side. I came to rest with the front of my car headed down into a ditch. The back of my car was still on what would have been the gravel section of the road. And I thought, okay, that was close. I think I can get out of here. So I started, put the car in reverse, and thought I could back right out because I had this amazing all-wheel drive now that didn't help me a stinking bit. Uh, but I started doing that. Then I started you know, tearing up the transmission by rocking the car back and forth. Finally decided this wasn't working too well. I actually put the car in neutral, got out into the ditch, and tried to push it out myself. I was on this road by myself. Uh, then I decided to put it in reverse and try to push it out. That would have been really great had it succeeded. That, that would have worked out well. Few folks came by, you know, I didn't blame the ladies for not stopping. A couple of guys did a great job of not making any eye contact, even though I was waving to them from the side of this little country, country road. And finally, off in the distance, I see this pickup truck coming down the road. And this pickup truck, if you've ever seen the opening scene of uh, the Christmas Vacation movie, where the Griswolds are going out to pick out their Christmas tree, this pickup truck looked like it belonged in that scene. 
The smoke is coming out the back. It's rattling down the road. As it gets closer, I can see the, uh, the guys in it. You know, I don't know their names, but I imagine one, at least one of them is named Bubba, perhaps both of them. Uh, they, get a little, they get a little closer, and as they pull up there, I see in the back of their uh, truck is a bunch of empty beer cans and a collection of pretty much everything else you could throw in the back of a truck. But they stop. And I said, hey, could you guys give me a hand pushing this out? And they said, uh, you're not going to be able to push that out. And the one guy, without saying another word, went over and got the tow strap, put, hooked it on my car. The other guy said, the key's in it. And he got, sat down in the car. And within a couple minutes, they had me pulled out on the road. You know, I, I dug into my wallet and said, hey, you know, can I pay you? And you wave a little $20 bill. And they were like, eh. And they jumped back in their truck and, t and took off. Now, I, I chose that illustration of a rescue specifically for this reason. The rescue that Jesus Christ gave as the suffering Savior is not always the rescue that we, for which we are looking, okay? That He's not the Savior that we want. He's not the Savior that we expect. The, the Bible says earlier in that book, in chapter 53 of Isaiah, it says that he's like a root out of a dry ground. He's like that little sapling that comes up there that you don't even want. You want to chop, uh, chop away because, you know, hey, this, this isn't what I want. This isn't, this isn't the picture. This is not the Savior that I want, that I expected. Not the Savior that we wanted, but definitely the Savior that we needed. You know, maybe we, we would look and say, hey, he was born into poverty. He was born an unwed mother. Uh, his friends were a ragtag group of guys that really meant nothing to, in society. The shame of everything that went on in his life, and especially thinking about him dying on the cross. We need to understand, folks, that the suffering Savior is the Savior we need. Because the suffering Savior suffered to pay the price for my sin. Would you look back there at Isaiah 53 again, over and over again, it was for my sin. By his stripes, I am healed. The Savior laid down his life, and how personal that good news is for me. But now we get to the last reason why this is such good news that I could not wait to share with you. The good news is a story that only begins with the suffering Savior. It says that when Philip talked to the eunuch, he said he began with what he was reading there about the suffering Savior, and then he went on to tell him the rest of the good news. And that this message of victory that we celebrate here on Easter Day is an unending message. So I get to read what I think is the best Easter passage ever from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, early in this chapter, the Apostle Paul writes, and he tells about many of the eyewitnesses of the resurrection. But then he goes on to say, but there are some who are claiming that there is no resurrection from the dead. Some are saying that Jesus is not risen. And let's see what he has to say here. If Christ, beginning in verse number 14, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Can you paraphrase that? We're wasting our time. My job is meaningless. Us gathering together or watching this now is meaningless if Christ is not raised. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that He raised Christ, whom he, if He did not raise, it, then if it isn't true, if the dead are not even raised. So in other words, we're standing up here telling lies. For if Christ has not been raised, verse number 16, not, 
uh, I'm sorry, for the dead have not been raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they have perished. That hope that we celebrated at a graveside this past week, that doesn't even exist if Christ isn't alive. If, Christ, if in Christ we have hope, look at verse number 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most pitied. Can you see that? <laughs> we are wasting our time. Uh, the King James says, if in, if, if in this life only we have hope, then we are of all men most miserable. What a waste of our lives. But then he says this, verse number 20. But in fact, Christ has raised from the dead. But in fact, Christ has raised from the dead. I'm sorry, I can't handle the empty em emptiness right now. Come on, I need to see how you're celebrating. There you are. You're having a great time. Don't, don't go out of control, though. Come on, come on, somebody get John Miscavige down. He does this every year. we got to stop him. He's celebrating. He, he's having a great time. And well, we should be because Christ is risen from the dead. The Apostle Paul used this phrase. He said, in fact, he said, I witnessed it. I met the resurrected Christ. I have heard from hundreds of people who've met the resurrected Christ. And not only that, I know the difference that he's made in my life. So the hopelessness has now been given hope. Meaning has been given to those who found no meaning in life. Death did not have the final say. Do we have that? Death has been defeated. It has been swallowed up in life. So my friend, if religious systems if religion in general has failed you, if it has left you sitting alongside the road like the eunuch somewhat disappointed, if political systems have let you down, if circumstances have disappointed, and if fear is reigning in your life, I've got good news. No, no, I have the best news ever. For there is a kingdom, king who has ultimate authority in his kingdom. And he offers forgiveness to all who call, even the least of these. And the Savior has personally paid the price for your sins. And he has the power to bring life because he demonstrated that power in raising from the grave uh, victorious over sin and death. Do not leave Easter. Okay, do not leave Easter this year with empty religion. The eunuch said, hey, can I get baptized then? And Philip said, well, do you believe? Do you believe that he reigns? Do you believe that he offers forgiveness? Do you believe that he suffered and died for you? Do you believe that he rose again? On this Easter day, the question is this. There is no doubt that there is incredible news, best news ever, that is being proclaimed across this country, being proclaimed across the Internet right now. But the question is, do you know that good news? Do you know that Jesus Christ died for you, rose again victorious, and have you trusted in Him as Savior? King of the universe, <laughs> proclaim this message throughout your, this land. Lord, please, under the special circumstances in which I preach this day, Father, would you take those circumstances? Well, I don't even know that I need to ask, but Lord, yet I do. I, I plead that you accomplish your purpose. And Lord, especially if somebody hears these words right now, and maybe right now more than ever, you've softened their heart and they're looking for an answer. They're sitting there like that eunuch, empty, uh, and they need something. Lord, show them that what they need has been provided in Jesus Christ. 
when he laid down his life as the suffering Savior, but rose again as the King of Kings. Father, communicate this message throughout this day. Lift us as we celebrate the fact that you live. For it's in the powerful name of Jesus I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.